lost a loved one recently? Do you find it hard to move on with your life? There are lots of questions and a quest for a solution. Where do you start? Welcome to From Morning to Morning with your host, Rabbi Mel Glazer. Rabbi Mel and his guests are here to guide you through the different stages of grief and help you heal from your loss. You'll come away with a much better understanding of how you can move forward. Now, here's Rabbi Mel. Well, good evening, everyone. It's good to um, be with you again. I was not here last week, and I know you missed me. (laughs) I hope you missed me. I was in um, D.C. at the wedding of my youngest son, who is only 30 and married a wonderful, wonderful woman. And the best part of that is not just that one son got married, but I have another son who is also a rabbi, like his father, me, and he officiated at the wedding. And my son who got married said to me, Dad, I want you to be my father. I don't want you to be my rabbi. So I had the joy of, of, of hearing and watching my son, the rabbi, marrying off his brother, So it was a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful occasion for me and my wife and our family and and all that. Those of you who've been to weddings know, as I have talked often enough uh, that you should remember, is that weddings are, in a sense, I mean, they're joyous, don't get me wrong. They're, in a sense, loss experiences because he's not my son the same way as he was before. Now he's 30 years old. So he's been moving away ever since I sent him off to college. But when he's married, his first allegiance is to his wife, no longer to me. And it's very interesting to watch that whole process take place. So I wanted you to know that, and I missed you last week. And the other thing I want to say before I introduce my guest this evening is I spoke to somebody yesterday in Melbourne, Australia, and he told me that he listened to the show last week and that he enjoyed it a lot. So I want you to know we get around, you know, since I started in December There have been, you know, 28,000 listeners. They come not just from the United States, but from all over the world. So if you have friends in foreign countries, tell them about the show, and they too will be able to listen. And you know that every show is archived at Voice America Empowerment, and they'll be able to go back and listen to the earlier shows. Now, having said all that, I want to introduce my guest this evening. Her name is Patricia Shaw, and Patricia is is different than a lot of my guests. A lot of my guests are, um, they're like experts, not that she's not, she is, and I'll tell you about that in a minute. They're experts in their field, they write, you know, scientific, uh, 
grief tractates and books and all that trying to get us to mentally get it. Patricia has been through personal trauma in her life, which she's going to talk a little bit about in a minute. And uh, then she's going to, in the middle of the show, she's going to talk about what are the things that she did to go from morning to morning and how she got past those painful relationships that she began with. So, Patricia Shaw, it's a pleasure to have you on From Morning to Morning. I'm glad you're here. Well, thank you, Rabbi Glazer. I'm so glad to be here, and I appreciate the invitation. Well, I'm glad to have you. And so start to tell us your story. What happened? Okay, well, my story. In the year 2000, I had a series of deaths that took place, loved ones very near and dear to my heart, um, and it's so embedded in my head, I even remember the date it started, May 2000, with the passing of my aunt, Mary, she passed of cancer, and then five months later, I lost my father to colon cancer. I thought that was a blow because I grew up without having a a relationship with my father. I didn't get to know him until I became 18. And so from 18 to 30, God allowed me to spend time with him to get to know him. And I felt like that was not enough time when God called him home. But that wasn't it. Uh, The following year, I lost my father-in-law. And then less than 90 days later, my mother-in-law passed. So in a matter of about 18 months, I lost four people who I really loved and depended on. But while I was still mourning the loss of my father and my in-laws, in 2003, the biggest blow of all took place. A young man who my husband and I took care of He was only 17 years old. He was on his way. He came home to visit, on his way back to college. He lost control of the wheel, and he died. He hit a utility pole. I will never forget the knock on the door from the police who came and asked. His car was titled in my and his name. And so they came to the house to ask, was I home? They thought I was in the vehicle with, um, we call him, we refer to him as our son. His name was Joe. So they thought I was in the vehicle because there was a uh, 
woman's shoe that was um, thrown out of the vehicle at the impact. And so my husband went to the door, and um, he, he said, yes, yeah, she's home. My wife is home. And so then they said, well, we have some bad news to tell you. And so um, they gave us the devastating news that he was killed on impact. I was very upset, angry, because this young man had so much going for him. He was a young man who loved to serve the Lord. He was humble, very respectful. He wanted to go to college so badly that he finished school a year early. He went to, um, he was attending a performing arts school in Chicago, which it took a lot for him to get into this school. So he had so much to live for. And that is why I felt like God had robbed us of this young man because he was not like other young men, if I could compare him to someone, some that hang out on the street and uh, disobey and um, had nothing going or nothing to live for. He had everything to live for, but yet, 10 days before his 18th birthday, he died. That was devastation. Of course. I was... I'm sorry. Let me ask you a question, if I could interrupt you for a second. You said that, in part, you blame God because you wondered why a good kid like this could die young. And as you just uh, said, there's so many other kids who um, were on drugs and, and all kinds of other bad things. And they're still living and breathing today. Yes. you have any feelings about why God lets bad things happen to good people? I believe there is a learning process that we all must go through. And after the death of Joe, I had to go through this learning process. And I did question that. Why does God allow devastation, bad things to happen to people who seem like they are on the right path? So it was a learning process for me to go through, and I believe, and I, and I share with women everywhere I go, my pain, our pain has purpose. So the pain that I went through with all of these deaths, almost back-to-back, starting May of 2000, uh, then October, the the passing of my father, and then um, some months later, my father-in-law, and then less than 90 days, my mother-in-law, and then one year later, this big blow to my heart. There is pain. There was pain purpose in my pain and the purpose I now use as I travel the country speaking to women who are dealing with grief and I share 
it from a different perspective than death, the physical death. I speak about grief and moving forward after a broken relationship. So death is part of a broken relationship. I had a loving relationship with this young man. He, his future was so bright. As the song said, he had to wear shades. So how could you, God, allow this to happen to this man, to this young man, when there were so many other uh, young men in his circle, I would say, that were not on the path that he was on. But I, I did come to realize that there was purpose in all of this pain that God allowed me to go through. God put you in a place where all the death that you experienced became your teacher. Death was your teacher. Mm-hmm. And, and you learned such important lessons from that that that's what you now do in your personal life. You, you go out and you try to share that pain that you have suffered and still and still are remembering those loved ones and and because we never forget them but you have moved like I like I like to say you've wandered from the past uh, to the future and you now help women create their own future so death becomes your teacher um, and you try to carry those lessons on, pay them forward, if I can use a phrase from the movie, um, to others. I had another question for you, and that is that that I, I suspect that when this young man died, not only did he die, and you felt terrible about that because you lost his physical presence, but you never had a chance to say goodbye to him. And when I, I know that when we don't have a chance to say goodbye, it, it weighs upon our shoulders and it affects our lives because it's not just that we miss them, but we didn't get a chance to forgive them, to apologize to them, to thank them, to say goodbye to them. And I would hope that when you, you know, when you teach others that you talk about that, because to me, that is so, so important, the opportunity to end relationships, which we never, ever learned how to do. Your mama never taught you how to end relationships. My mama never taught me how to end relationships. Mm-hmm. And I find that that's sometimes, you know, worse than the physical death itself. Yes, that is so true. The not being able to have the closure that we would like to have. Now, I was able to say goodbye to my father because he died um, in hospice. And so I was able to say goodbye to him um, slowly. But this young man, no, it was just... It was devastating, and even talking about it, I'm filled with emotion because 
I, I just want to, um, I'm just filled with emotion uh, speaking about it. So, uh, yes, <laughs> how did I get to say goodbye? Well, in, in a sense, you say goodbye to him when you teach and when you speak mm-hmm. because that's your mission. Yes. I mean, it's like a minister, you know, we all have missions. Yes. And that seems like it's yours, that these people who were part of your past, you try to not resurrect them because you can't, but you try to use their memories for good for everyone else who's going through similar kinds of losses. Yes, that is true. Um, And as I was saying earlier, I realize, and I thank you for saying that, death did become my teacher. And so that's why I'm able now to empower women who are in toxic, as you said, abusive roller coaster type relationships that are ungodly how to break free and move forward because uh, death does have to come to these relationships and I teach them how to grieve and mourn over these uh, toxic relationships so that they can live the life that God wants them to live I'll say amen to that we got to take a break We'll be right back, and we'll continue with your story. Thank you. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Believe it or not, the Bible talks a lot about grief and healing and can be a powerful source for us to move forward. For example, after Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt where they'd been slaves, they wandered in the desert for 40 years before God would let them into the promised land. God only wanted those who'd been born free, who'd never known slavery, to enter Israel. Those who had been slaves had to die out before their descendants would be allowed to enter the Promised Land. Find out more in Rabbi Mel Glazer's award-winning book, And God Created Hope. Available at Amazon and in Kindle format. When you're wandering after a life loss, you're really wandering in two directions at the same time. Part of you wants to go back, and part of you wants to go forward. That was also true of the Israelites when they were wandering in the desert with Moses. They didn't want to go back to being slaves, of course, but they did want to go back to the familiarity of home in Egypt. It was predictable and known, and they were afraid, like everyone is, of the unknown. Find out more in Rabbi Mel Glazer's award-winning book, A GPS for Grief and Healing, available at Amazon and in Kindle format. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You are listening to From Morning to Morning. To find out more about our program, visit GriefOK.com. 
Again, that's griefok.com. Now, back to From Morning to Morning. Hi, everybody. Again, this is Rabbi Mel speaking. My guest tonight is Patricia Shaw, who has just been telling us about the, the death of those that she loved. And we were talking about her response to those deaths and in particular, you know, how, how could God let good people uh, die and bad people continue to live? Of course, being a good person is no guarantee. It's not an insurance policy. And I have said before the story of Rabbi Harold Kushner, who was a great, is a great, great rabbi. And when he was ordained, he made a deal with God. He said, God, I'll take care of you if you'll take care of me. And everything was fine for a few years. And then his son died at the age of 14 of old age. It's called progeria. And we have pictures of that son celebrating his bar mitzvah at the age of 13. And he had long, stringy gray hair, and he had the face of an old man. So the lesson that Rabbi Kushner, among other lessons, taught us is that being a good person doesn't mean you're not going to die earlier than you might have thought or wanted to. Uh, There's no guarantees. So, Patricia, let's move on. So, you, you... had to end these relationships. And one of the things you do, you teach women who are engaged in toxic relationships how they have to find a way to end those relationships or it's going to bring them down and they'll never recover. Talk a little bit about that, if you would. Yes, I sure will. Um, I teach about... It's called, um, the popular term is soul ties, um, how to move forward after a broken relationship. And I speak with women who have been involved in an ungodly relationship or a relationship that was godly at one point, but somehow or another it went south. And... I have had, I get so many emails from women. Patricia, how do I move forward? I've been with this person so long, I don't understand uh, what's going on with me. Regardless of how he treats me, I still keep going back to him. How do I let go? So the first thing I tell them, you have to really Make up your mind. This is it. That's the first step. This is it. I'm through. The second thing, confess. I had to confess to someone that I needed help. I no longer wanted to be in a toxic relationship that I personally was in. So I had to confess, as the word says, confess my thoughts so that I could be healed. Now, I found someone that I trusted to confess in because Satan, he is roaring, as the word says, he's out to devour us. And 
he's a lot of times we think he wants to devour our relationship, yes, but he wants to devour our relationship with Christ, not our relationship with our husband or uh, whoever we're in this relationship with. He wants to devour our relationship with Christ. So the first thing I had to do was confess that I needed some help. I could not do this on my own. So once I found someone to confide in, I was able to start the healing process to start moving forward out of that toxic relationship and finding death. The person that you found, was he a minister or just somebody that yes. you found? <laughs> she, she was. <laughs> she was? Yes, she was. She's so sexist, forgive me. She was, yes. And the other thing I wanted to add, um, she was strong in the faith because at the time I was weak in the faith. And as a matter of fact, I I was not even confessing salvation. Um, I was a sinner, so I did what sinners did. But I had enough sense to know that I needed somebody who had a connection or a prayer life that would uh, be able to walk me through what I needed to go through. So what that sort of says to me, and the way my brain works, um, you went through this, this toxic relationship, and you speak to other women who are involved in toxic relationships. I think that, I mean, it's my theory that people get into toxic relationships because they want to sort of look for a way to heal their losses that they've gone through. And so they fill in the gaps in their hearts with whoever. They look good at the beginning, the whomever, but sometimes, as you said, in your and other cases, you know, the whomever starts out fine, but then it, it goes south, as you said. But I think that I see a direct connection between losing a loved one and trying to find another one. And because we're weak and we don't have the strength or the good sense because we're not thinking properly mm-hmm. uh, because of the deaths that we have, have experienced. So we are led into bad relationships, which our heads know are bad, but we don't live through our heads, we live through our hearts. Mm-hmm. One of the blogs or comments that uh, was on the site talked about uh, not being in love, but being in lust. And we all know that that is the downfall of so many of us. We, we just, I mean, hormones control us sometimes. So you're right, you have to decide that this is it. What else do you have to decide? That you no longer want to be, it's a term that I use, their rubber band, allowing them to come 
back and forth, in and out of your life at their leisure. And when you are uh, being led by your heart and not your head, you open up the door for and allow that to happen. I know personally I did. And the women that I, that reach out to me and when I'm across the country uh, sharing and speaking, I find that as a pattern that happens quite a bit. And so I term it the rubber band effect because you become his rubber band while you're sitting and waiting and hoping that um, – the relationship is going to work out, and he he does he's out doing whatever he wants to do, and then when he feels like coming your way, then he rubber bands back to you. So after that, you have to really say, "This is it. I do need some help." And a lot of times we try to do it on our own, but. I found out I needed someone who was stronger and strong in faith, someone that could help me to be an, uh, an accountability partner for me. So did you have to check in with her periodically? I did. Is yes. that what you did? <laughs> I did so because... She gave, you, as I she gave said, you homework assignments, and you I'm did sorry. your homework, and then you went back to her. Yes, yes, because, see, you know, the scripture says um, that that I wish to do, I did not. I really did want to do what was right, but evil was always present. So my flesh was used to doing what my flesh wanted to do, do the wrong thing. So in order for me to really stay on the straight and narrow, I had to get someone who would hold me accountable to what I said I wanted to do, which was die to that terrible relationship. You know, my Jewish tradition has a wonderful story. We have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of stories, but one that comes to mind is a student goes to his rabbi, a young, young man, and says, Rabbi, I feel you know, like I'm doing some wrong things. Not sexual, but I'm just doing some wrong things. And and like you termed it, Satan's got a hold of me. Now, we don't talk like that because we don't believe in a separate Satan. We believe in God and free will, but doesn't matter. The story is, the rabbi says, okay, so everybody is followed around in their lives by two wolves, and these two wolves, and one's a good wolf and one's an evil wolf, and these two wolves walk by us constantly, and the good wolf is always trying to convince us to do the right thing, and the evil wolf, of course, is doing is trying to convince us to do the wrong thing. So the student says, but so Rabbi, so how do I, what do I do? Who's stronger? Who wins? The good wolf or the evil wolf? And the rabbi says, it depends on which one you feed. The one you feed is going to be your friend forever. Mm. And unfortunately, too many of us feed the evil wolf because it mm. feels good. Yes. 
even though in our heads, as we all know, we, we shouldn't, but we don't care so much about that sometimes. That's true. I'm, I'm glad you, you know, you got out of that relationship that you were in and you found somebody, you're still married to him, right? Well, that, no, this was uh, years ago. So okay. once I died to that relationship, God sent my husband. And yes, we've been married 27 years. <laughs> right. right, that's what I thought, right. It's nice when it works out. Yes, it is. <laughs> so you get a lot of stories that sound a lot like your story. Yes. And uh, it, it must be so energizing for you when you go on a stage or when you're in a classroom or wherever you are, an auditorium or wherever, and you get up there like a preacher. You're the preacher woman. And, and I, I mean, I can see your picture even as I'm listening to you because I saw you on the website and I could see you running around screaming and hollering and telling them your story and telling them you know how they, you know, get caught. Mm-hmm. So you, you know, um, I always like to say in my next life, I'm going to be a black Baptist preacher. Mm-hmm. Now, that's pretty far away from being a rabbi. Yeah. But I could do that. I could scream and holler and yell. You know, I could run around. A, I could do it. Yeah, I could do it. So it's, it's so pleasing to me that you have taken the pain yeah. that you were addicted to. Mm-hmm. Personally, and you have gotten, well, I, I was going to say gotten rid of that pain, but you never totally get over that pain, but but you live with it, and it doesn't hurt as badly as it did when those people in your family died, and, and when your relationship, your evil wolf was rubber banding you to death. <laughs> Right. So you still you still remember, but they, it's like, you know, if right after the police came to your door and told you about the death of the one of the young man, if I had mentioned his name to you, you would have broken out in tears, yeah. right? Yes, I would. But have. today, today you can talk about him. Yes. I mean, you still teared up earlier. I got that. I heard that. Mm-hmm. But it's different because now you have transformed those memories into positive ways to attract the light from God and not be paralyzed by the dark from the other wolf. Yes. I think it's remarkable. I'm proud of you. Well, thank you. And I'm sure that the women that you teach are proud of you, too, and you give them life. So how do you feel when you're on that stage and after you're done, you do an hour presentation, let's say, and and they're all over you. They're swarming and they're thanking you and they're grateful and all that. How does that make you feel? It makes me feel that I am truly.
truly walking in my divine purpose because I was able to not allow that negative, all those deaths, five people that I love back-to-back like that, it could have, that would have caused somebody else maybe would not have been able to handle that. But because I know that God won't put more on us than we can bear, yes, I cried as we hear people say, time heals all wounds. But then I tell women, yes, that's true. But in the meantime, keep crying because you are releasing pain through your those tears. So when I finish sharing what God has given me to share with those who come to my events, I, I thank God um, that he allowed me to survive. And that is a poem. And I was able to survive through my writing. So my writing helped me to survive. So I'm grateful that God allowed me to live so that I can empower other women. I've read some of the stuff you've written. I'm going to disagree with you after we come back from the break about something you just said, but I'm not going to tell you yet because I don't want you to not like me yet. You got to say, so we got to take a break. Patricia will be right back. us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. When you're wandering after a life loss, you're really wandering in two directions at the same time. Part of you wants to go back and part of you wants to go forward. That was also true of the Israelites when they were wandering in the desert with Moses. They didn't want to go back to being slaves, of course, but they did want to go back to the familiarity of home in Egypt. It was predictable and known, and they were afraid, like everyone is, of the unknown. Find out more in Rabbi Mel Glazer's award-winning book, A GPS for Grief and Healing, available at Amazon and in Kindle format. Believe it or not, the Bible talks a lot about grief and healing and can be a powerful source for us to move forward. For example, after Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt where they'd been slaves, they wandered in the desert for 40 years before God would let them into the promised land. God only wanted those who'd been born free, who'd never known slavery, to enter Israel. Those who had been slaves had to die out before their descendants would be allowed to enter the Promised Land. Find out more in Rabbi Mel Glazer's award-winning book, And God Created Hope. Available at Amazon and in Kindle format. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You are listening to From Morning to Morning. To find out more about our program, visit GriefOK.com. Again, that's GriefOK.com. Now, back to From Morning to Morning. Hello, everybody. Rabbi Mel, I'm back. 
with my new friend and guest, Patricia Shaw. <laughs> Patricia has been um, spending the last 42 minutes with us, with me and you, talking about the losses in her life, and in particular, the loss of a 17-year-old who was like a son to her and parents and in-laws. And, and then we began to talk about uh, her career as a speaker, She's a nationally um, beloved speaker. And we, we talked some about that. Now, Patricia, I'm going to disagree with you about something that you said before the break, because you said, and everybody says this, time heals. That's what you said, right? Yes, but I, but I kept going. Well, I know you kept going, but that's because you didn't wait for time to pass. See, in my opinion, time doesn't do anything except pass. That is... You've got to do something during the time that you've got, or you and I know people who have lost loved ones 10 years ago, and it's like they died yesterday because Mm. the mourner hasn't done anything to deal with it. They've just let time pass. Your, um, what's good about what you do is that you don't let people just let time pass. Mm-mm. You talk to them. You you try to convince them. You you know yell and holler and scream at them nicely, of course, of course. <laughs> and, and you try to get them to understand that if you don't do something, you're not going to change. You're not going to get any better. Is that true? Yes, that is definitely true, and uh, I'm glad you said that. To do something while you're waiting, that's exactly what I do tell the women um, that are in these relationships coming out of an abusive relationship, do something. And what I uh, ask them to do is write a letter to the person. Um, Write everything you want to say to them, and you don't have to... I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. <laughs> you don't have to give it to them. Uh, once you finish writing all of your emotions, burn it. And when you don't they read do it to that, anybody. I'm sorry. I didn't you don't. Read, you don't read the letter to anybody. They can. It, it's up to them. But I tell them not to read it to anyone. Just to really express themselves through uh, the writing, express their emotions, how they feel, uh, whatever they would want to say to the person. Because if they read it to, you know, we definitely don't want them to read it to the person. But if they found their, if they had an accountability partner and they felt comfortable um, sharing it with that person, then yes. You know, it's so interesting. We're so much alike in how we do things. I was trained a long, 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 long time ago, maybe 30 years ago, in the Grief Recovery Program, which is an international program which trains people to do what you and I do, to be grief counselors. And uh, at the end of the process is the letter. Mm-hmm. And and 
you were taught, and I still tell people when I talk about it, I talk about it all the time, you write a letter to whomever you are needing to write a letter to, somebody who who is no longer in your life, whether that means they died or they divorced you or you left them or uh, who knows, any whatever losses you know, you have, if they focus on one person, so you write a letter. And in the letter, you forgive them for whatever they did or did not do or said or did not say that caused you pain, and you get specific. And then you apologize to them for the same thing, you know, what, what, what you may have done or not done or said or not said that has caused them pain. And then there's a thank you part where you thank them for uh, whatever you have to thank them for. And everybody does. I mean, even in bad relationships, there are some good that comes out of those relationships that you experience together. And finally, you have to say goodbye. There's some magic to the word goodbye, yes. uh, which, which helps you across the line, if you will, and allows you to leave them in your past so that you can go into your future. Because if you don't leave them in, their, in your past, mm-hmm. you're going you're gonna to carry them on your shoulders for the rest of your life, yeah. and you ain't never going to get nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so... It's interesting. Now, what I was trying to do is to have, if I wrote this letter, for example, to read it to my best friend, because there's a certain power in hearing your own voice say these words. So I um, actually did this uh, after my first wife, may she rest in peace, died of... um, uh, liver cancer. She had two transplants and they didn't work and, and she finally died. And we were not so good to each other at the end. Um, so I wrote this letter and I read it to my best friend and I cried and uh, she cried, my best friend at the time, and It was a very transformative experience for me because I could say goodbye. And I've always taught people that you have to make the goodbyes clean. You can't can't think about it. You got to do more than that. Like you and I say, you have to write a letter. (laughs) So I understand what you're saying about writing a letter and then burning it or reading it to your accountability partner. I don't tell them to burn it until after they've read it to somebody. And I tell them to bring lots of Kleenex because you're going to need it. Yes. Uh, So we're not that far apart. But I find, I I love the story of, I had a congregant many years ago in a previous congregation. He was in his 70s and he came to me and he said, Rabbi, I need you to help me forgive my mother. Hmm. So I said, okay, how long has she been gone? He said, 44 zero years. Mm. 
That's what I mean when I say time does time passes doesn't mean anything. Yes. Because he didn't do anything about it until he heard me preaching about it and he couldn't stand me talking anymore and he figured I was talking to him. So what I did is have him go to the cemetery where she was buried. We were in uh, Pennsylvania and she was buried in New York, outside the city, and he spent four hours talking to her. And he said all those things. I forgive you, I apologize, I thank you, and goodbye. And then he came back to tell me about it and I asked him how long he, he was at the cemetery and he said four hours and it seemed like 10 minutes. Mm. Because the point is, as when you and I suggest that our people write letters, it all comes out. Yes. And tons of stuff that's hidden on, in there inside of us. Yes. So it may take a long time to write, but it, it doesn't seem like it's such a long time because we have to get it out of our systems so we can we can let them die. Yes. That's that's what I see as the biggest problem. We have a big time in this world of ours losing let letting go of people for whatever reason because society doesn't teach us how to do that. No. Your parents didn't teach you how to do that. Nobody teaches you. We, we are taught how to gain friends, but we're not taught how to lose them. And sometimes, uh, you know, friends are not forever. They don't have to be forever. I used to have some real good friends, and then something happened, and bad words were shared, and I decided, you know what? I don't need this in my life. Brings me down. So... Losing is an art that we don't learn naturally. But thank God there's people in this earth like Patricia Shaw who help women uh, be able to lay them gently down, whoever they is. You ever have any men come to your conferences or is it just for women? I do have men that come to my conferences um, and even reach out to me to coach them because I'm a life coach also. So, yes, I do. Yeah. See, I, I don't know if I would, if I, I would, well, when men and women get together in the same room, the dynamics change. Mm-hmm. I know it, you know it. Yes. Because... They ain't just listening to you. They're looking around the room, see who else is there. You know, they're like, uh, "What's who's the next one in my life?" Maybe. <laughs> and you know, pain. You can your pain can fall in love with somebody else's pain, and boom, you you're gonna make another mistake. Yes. So good for you. I mean, I think it's great. Thank I, you. I think it's great. So what tell me a good story about about some place you've been and and what if I asked you you know something that sticks in your mind a story that somebody told you about their grief is there one or maybe two because we got four minutes left till the end of the show is there one story that sticks out well yes yeah, about my um story with my father and I don't know. Um, how you all, well, what your thoughts on are of the here and after. 
And so um, my father lived a very different life, I'll say it like that. And so he was a wonderful man, you know, once I got to meet him. And uh, we shared a lot of time together. And so um, he drank, and I should say he got drunk. (laughs) And so I was very leery about when he died, where did he go? And so it bothered me so much till one night I had a dream. And in this dream, it was me and my sister. We were sitting outside on a stoop. And he walked up to the stoop. And he said to me, daughter, look for me in the sky. And he was gone. That really helped me with my grieving process with him because I would go places and I would just break out crying because um, it was a short-lived relationship to me Um, from 18 to 30. It was just a short, it was 12 years, but it was a short time because I didn't grow up with him. And so that was comforting to me to know that um, I believe he went to heaven. (laughs) Amen, sister. I, I'm there with you. Um, a lot of people have those kind of visions. And I think, you know, if it works for you, it works for you. Yes. Some mm-hmm. people don't have those visions. You know, I don't care. It doesn't matter because because if, if, if it's true for you, then it's true. Yes. That's what I say. Okay, so we have to wrap this up, unfortunately. Patricia, I want to tell you how joyous it's been for me to have you as my guest and I'm sure that all my listeners would agree that you have um, taught them much about how to grieve and how to move on and um, I think it's wonderful so thank you so much now uh, Patricia if somebody wants to get a hold of you or they need you tell them how to do that Yes, you can find me across social media, Patricia Shaw and Women of Excellence. My website is womenofexcellence.biz, and I am Patricia Shaw, certified professional transformation coach, author, and speaker. Thank you for this opportunity. I certainly appreciate you, Rabbi Glazer. Thank you so much. Now, listen, my listeners, I want you to buy her books because she writes good books. I didn't have a chance to order on any of them, but she, trust me. And if you want to be in touch with me, it's Rabbi Mel at griefok.com. Rabbi Mel at griefok.com, where you can buy my books too, by the way, he says very humbly. So thank you, Patricia. I will not be here next week. It's Thanksgiving, and I'm going to be in Atlanta visiting my family, but We're going to do an encore presentation of one of our past shows. So I invite you to listen wherever you are. God bless you. Happy Thanksgiving. Good night, everybody. Thank you again for joining Rabbi Mel Glazer for From Morning to Morning. Please tune in again next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We're wishing you strength and hope in the next week.